Good evening, Wrestling Inc. It's me, Nick Hausman, uh, the managing editor here of Wrestling Inc., uh, traditionally here on the Winkly in the afternoons, Tuesday through Thursdays. But I'm staying up here late on Tuesday night to talk SmackDown Live with you and all the great fans out there. And, and joining me tonight is none other than the man I started the day off with over at the Winkly. It's Michael Weissman. Michael. Welcome. Well, thank you for joining me here tonight. Every Tuesday, baby. You and I got this on lockdown. Every Tuesday, we come at you with the Winkly. Tonight, we're doing it with SmackDown. Tomorrow, the whole wide It's like Pinky and the Brain. Do you used to watch Pinky and the Brain? Oh, I, I love Pinky and the Brain. One well, is a genius, me. The other's insane, you. And, and we're trying to take over the world. So here we are. What are we, what are we trying to do tonight, Michael? Well, um, sleep at some point, hopefully, before the morning. Um, talk some wrestling in between. Yeah. Um, we're going to do a gauntlet of a podcast tonight, you could say. Absolutely. Well, tonight <laughs> was tonight was SmackDown Live presents Kofi Kingston. Absolutely. And we are going to get to that here on the show tonight. Thank you, everybody, uh, everybody, for tuning in here tonight. Feel free to jump into the chat room. Let us know what you think. Uh, Michael, I can tell you are already very engaged in the chat room. I can see you looking there to the side there. Yes. Uh, so, so chime on in. Let us know what you uh, what you think of the show here tonight. Uh, also, I want to remind you all, I do host the Winkly. I'll be back. Tomorrow and Thursday, alongside Justin Labar. Tomorrow, uh, I also have a special interview with Davey Boy Smith Jr. And on Thursday, the big announcement, I'm definitely going to be releasing an interv interview with the brand new AEW producer, Billy Gunn, on Thursday as well. So if you want all of that, subscribe to Wrestling Inc. Audio over on iTunes. You're going to get me, Michael Weissman, Justin Labar, all those other great names. And if you are in Houston this Sunday for the Elimination Chamber, you got to go to the St. Arnold's Brewery and hang out with our friends at the Two-Faced Podcast every Friday. They're right here, Kelsey and Paul, on the Wrestling Inc. Audio, delivering their hot pro wrestling takes. Uh, and that event is going to start at 2 o'clock or 2.30 and 3 o'clock is the podcast start time in Houston. Go drink beer and talk wrestling. There's really nothing better. And to commemorate that, that moment, oh, wait, I'm having a beer here tonight, Michael. Man, you're you're cracking the night. Just for the record, guys. Just for the record, I'm reading through some of the comments here in the chat room. Yes, your regularly scheduled guests will be showing back up. Raj, Glenn, everybody, and Matt, everybody else. Right? They'll all be back. Oh, oh that's right. It was a weird, wacky series yeah. of uh, uh, misschedulings that that led to Michael and I being here tonight. So, yeah, no, don't worry about it. I I would like to keep my daytime schedule. You guys don't worry about that. We're just well, blowing up the chat room a little bit here, ruffling some feathers, I guess. I, I very hey guys, if it, <laughs> makes, if it makes you feel any better, I've got lasers. Yeah. I've got a laser gun. I've got a laser gun. All right, not helping me. our cause at all. Number two, just for the record, we will also not be talking any Temptation Island tonight. So just go ahead and get that out of your system while you're at it. Oh, you mean Nick Hausman's favorite pro uh, television program, Temptation Island? <laughs> yeah, no oh. Temptation Island. Oh, I love that. Oh, the romance. No, we're talking pro wrestling here tonight. Now, I got all the opening jibber-jabber out of the way. You know what, what's coming up this week on the Wrestling Inc. Audio uh, platform. And you know what's going down in Houston with that big St. Arnold's Brewery uh, party. And now let's get to it. Let's get to the smack. That's what we That's what we do here, right? We run down SmackDown. We just, we're just going to review SmackDown, right? It's the Winkly at Night. That's what we're going to call this now, the Winkly at Night. There you go. Wink at Night. It's like, it's like Nick at night. All right. Well, tonight's SmackDown opened with a graphic in the memory of WWE Hall of Famer Pedro Morales, 
who passed away at the age of 76 today. Uh, very sad news. That actually broke um, since uh, we did the Winkley this morning. So I'll be talking more about Pedro and his legacy tomorrow on the Winkley. So, so please uh, tune back in uh, for me and Labar with that tomorrow. Uh, but now we go right to a look back at how Vince McMahon suspended Becky Lynch on last night's Raw and named Charlotte the replacement for Becky at WrestleMania 35. We go then live from Huntington Center in Toledo, Ohio, as Tom Phillips welcomes us. He's joined by Corey Graves and Byron Saxton. Uh, they hype the show. Charlotte makes her way out to, to mostly a lot of booze. Uh, she looks up at the WrestleMania 35 sign. She says this is her destiny. She wishes she could say her heart is breaking for Becky Lynch, but it just isn't. And the fans chant for Becky. And Flair goes on about Becky and says, we all know that Flair is the backbone of the division, the franchise player. Flair says she is a winner. And she begins to talk about why Vince McMahon chose her. Now, let's let's take a little pause here, uh, Michael, to reflect on the, uh, the opening part of this here with mm-hmm. Charlotte confronting the crowd. What do you think the crowd wants to make of Charlotte Flair at this moment in time? Well, I, I guess there is this massive amount of heat directed straight at her right after last Mm -hmm. night's events they got the intended reaction here charlotte came out to jeers she came out she the audience was just picking at her at every little bit she played off of it so incredibly well she has poise and confidence and all that jazz uh wwe wants her to be a monster heel and they got it do they do they hate charlotte or do they hate what charlotte represent do you know what i mean yeah charlotte or do they hate the circumstances, Michael? Do they hate what has led to this moment of Charlotte Flair being at this moment in time? Does it make a difference here, right? Because it wasn't like Charlotte was beloved for the last couple of months anyway. And I like the fact that Charlotte is willing to go all heel. So booze are booze at this point, if you can play off of them the right way. I mean, I think you're right. What they're really upset about is Ronda Rousey, I mean, Becky Lynch not getting that match with Ronda Rousey. But at the end of the day, Charlotte is able to control the narrative out there. And so it does come across as though they are booing her and dislike her. Uh, well, uh, Charlotte comes out. She says Vince chose her because he made a smart business decision. He chose a future Hall of Famer over someone that's just had a few good months. The fans continue to chant for Becky. Flair mocks Becky for not coming out. She goes on and says Vince chose her because WrestleMania is the biggest match of the year and he's not going to risk it on a flash in the pan it's negative <laughs> it's negative michael she's controlling the narrative here dude she is she's given the platform she's taking it where it needs to go yeah all right well charlotte says we may not be happy with vince's decision but we can promise wrestlemania will be like every other pay-per-view she's main evented everyone will be standing on their feet doing a this is awesome chant she tells everyone to go ahead and boo her now you're welcome. She dedicates the match to her former friend, Becky, really just sticking the finger in the open wound here. Flair goes to leave, but the you suck chance start up. She brags about main, main eventing WrestleMania. She says she has a front row ticket for the chamber match between Ruby Riot and Rousey, and she promises Rousey she won't interfere. She's just going to scout the match, and she says maybe we'll get a new champion, and Flair will get a new WrestleMania opponent. Wouldn't that be great? What if we went what if we went from Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey to Charlotte Flair versus Ruby Riot at WrestleMania? That would be quite that'd be a twist and turn. 
Well, it would open the door back up for Becky and Rhonda, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, you know, I, I actually like this because Charlotte came out and put over the women's title match on Sunday more than practically anybody else outside of Ruby Wright herself has done in the last 48 hours. So uh, I, I appreciate Charlotte nodding to the match that's going to happen on Sunday and keeping that narrative alive. And again, Charlotte is doing what she needs to do out there. Wherever this this road takes us, right? Charlotte is going out there. She's addressing the fans. She's getting you suck chance, right? There were boos. There were go away boos, right? But she is able to take this and control it and, and basically put the spotlight back onto her and back onto the women's title situation. I love it. I'm still not sold. I mean, I hear your optimism and I'm, I'm with you. I want to, I want to be with you, but I still think that primarily the fans are unhappy with Charlotte not because they don't like Charlotte Flair, but more because they are unhappy with the circumstances. I thought this was a very good outing here by Charlotte. I mean, Charlotte's always great, but I don't think we've ramped up to really what you're talking about quite yet. Where like the fans are really booing Charlotte. I don't know. I don't know that. I, I don't know. I, I mean, you could put all three of these women uh, in the ring on Raw on Monday, and I think that it could go any which way as Sunday. Other than, I mean, Becky will get cheered, but Ronda or Charlotte, I don't know which one of them they'd cheer. Well, the thing about it, though, is it's it's not like in a situation with Ronda where the fans sense weakness and they latch onto it and you can't stop them or like it was with Roman Reigns. And they just continually pounded and pounded and pounded. By the end of this promo, Charlotte was kind of having the upper hand here. She was controlling what was going on there. She did the what chance. She was playing into this whole thing. And so to me, that tells a different story. Now, I'm with you, Nick, where this thing plays out in a week, in two weeks and in, in four weeks. I may look back and say this was the genesis of a bunch of bad decision-making by WWE Creative. However, I'm willing to give this whole angle a chance because I feel like as hot shoddy as last night felt, the end of last night's Raw felt, they are kind of doubling down and and telling the right story and carrying it through from show to show and spotlighting it the right way. So uh, again, who knows where it's going to go? I like Charlotte's promo here, and I am curious. I'm more invested in the in Sunday's match than I have been in in at all so far. Yeah, no, I mean, when the announcers, I, I thought last night on Raw, you know, we talked about this on the Wink a little bit earlier, but I thought the announcers did a good job on Monday night making Ruby Riot. I mean, shine as bright as she could going into this bout. You know, having Charlotte here ringside, I mean, it doesn't, I'm, I, I don't know. I mean, what do you, does anybody realistically believe Ruby Riot's going to take off with the title here, maybe. I mean, they got fast lane. They can flip it back, I guess, if you want to get all wacky on the road here. But it's just getting – I mean, but it's – I don't know. It's just – it's it's getting too convoluted for me, and I don't think that the backlash necessarily from the fans is projected at Charlotte right. necessarily. But not to say that it, it can't get to that point. I just don't know that we're there quite yet. I did think this was a very good promo here from Charlotte, but I just – I still feel that the, the, the negativity here from the fans is – Less about Charlotte, more about what is going on in general. I I, I can see some of that. I, obviously, I think I think Charlotte will get there. I think the bigger thing here too is you talked about it being convoluted. We're just lucky that WWE only has one women's championship to worry about, right? I mean, that's <laughs> because obviously there's no other women's champion on SmackDown that would be concerned about any of the happenings around her. So there's only the Raw Women's Championship that exists right now in WWE land. So that's that's fortunate for us and for storytelling. You trying to make a point here, Mike? <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, you know, Charlotte's out there from SmackDown competing for the Raw Women's title. 
Becky's competing for the Raw Women's title. We haven't heard from Asuka in weeks. Is, I mean, is she... Did she get... Can you remember when TNA had the kidnapping storyline and people kept getting kidnapped in the back? Is that what happened to Asuka? Did she get kidnapped? Um, the thing is, like, you think you're ready for Asuka, but mm, nobody's ready for Asuka. <laughs> Nobody's ready for Asuka. I don't know. I mean, it, maybe it is something here where they're going to let this play out and then Asuka come, can come out and, and, you know, take center stage with whatever it is. I mean, there's all the women right now are tied up in, in this tag team elimination chamber match, which we got a taste of here is the Iconics at following Charlotte Topi promo here. The Iconics took on Carmella, Naomi, uh, and Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville. Um, you know, it was, it was nice match kind of shades. I think they did the same thing last week on SmackDown, right? They had the other three women from the chamber mm -hmm. match or no, that was on raw last night. They had the it was raw. Yeah. 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 The raw the other night they had the other three women from the chamber match. So more, more of the same here, Naomi and Carmella, uh, came out on top after um, uh, Naomi did the split like moonsault onto Rose. Uh, after the match, it was confirmed that uh, Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose will start in the chamber with Sasha Banks and Bailey on Sunday since they were both pinned in their respective uh, six-woman tag bouts there. Celebrations cut short as the Iconics hit the ring. They unload on Carmella and Naomi. They beat them down, and the Iconics stand tall here. So that was really your final image going into this bout here. I mean, the Iconics feel like a natural fit for the tag titles, but I mean, history would show us that if you're standing tall going into it, the odds are probably not very good that you know you'll actually win. A lot of things I liked here. I, I think number one, the, I thought it was cool the graphic they used to kind of highlight who's starting where in the Elimination Chamber was something different, and uh, it was a very creative way to tell the story of what you can envision for Sunday's Elimination Chamber match. Small detail, but again, small details really do add up, especially in WWE. So I like that. Uh, you, you look at the way they've told these backstage stories with the interviews, they feel very personal. They're very ESPN-esque. I appreciate that because honestly, when you're pairing all these women up and tossing them into a chamber together, no disrespect, but some of these women can get lost and get confused to the casual WWE fan. And so I think it, it makes a lot of sense. They spotlighted those belts in a really cool way. I, I just love, I mean, at, at ringside, I think those belts have an interesting, unique design that plays off the other tag team title belts. So... All in all, a lot of good work done here. I think there's still been some weird things about who gets into the chamber, right? Some people can just declare themselves. Others have to fight for it in the match and all that jazz. But uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, you've seen a lot of interviews with women. I don't know who to pick for Sunday. It's kind of wide open, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of feeling Naomi Carmella here at the moment just because I think these are two women that have been pushed strongly in the past by WWE that they know – you know, can, can, yeah, I don't know if they can stay on their own. I mean, maybe they can stay as a tag team. That's weird, but there's not, other than the Iconics, maybe Mandy, Sonya. I mean, there's no natural tag teams here. They've all been kind of paired together at some point, you know? Sure. Well, as has the rest of the WWE's tag team divisions been paired together. I like the Iconics here. Honestly, we talk about all this. I think the Iconics, they need this a little bit more than the other. I mean, a lot of women in the roster need something, but the Iconics would be a really good fit. And I think it would, catapult them to that next level in WWE. Um, and I'll go back here and say that uh, I, I, maybe it was not in the in the, in the the run here we have on the site, but uh, on a different post, of course. Uh, backstage during this match, we saw the New Day talking about which of them would enter the gauntlet match to main event the show here tonight uh, due to the fact that Mus Mustafa Ali is injured. Um, so he did, I, maybe I guess it was between the opening segment here with Charlotte and this, this uh, women's tag match this this segment play but yeah mustafa ali is not going to be in the elimination chamber match kofi kingston is going to be taking his place uh 
very un- very unfortunate turn of events here with Mustafa Ali. I'm a big Ali fan. Uh, this was a huge opportunity for him, and uh, I mean, I, I I know he will come back and overcome. Um, but I don't know. That sucks. I was a I'm upset about this one. You know, dude hates it. I mean, you you see him and his passion for this, and he knows just personally this is a huge opportunity to be main eventing a major pay per view. Elimination Chamber is on the road to WrestleMania, so it is a major pay per view. But to have this opportunity in front of you and then snatched away due to an unfortunate injury. Yeah, that that sucks for the dude, and I, I really hope they do pick up with him after this and run with it. WWE uh, took an interesting decision here by inserting a member of the New Day, and they, they, they're doing this thing now, which I appreciate, but it's really being driven by the need to keep viewers watching your entire show, and that is they keep lining things up within the first few minutes of the show to keep you engaged and coming back later. So what they did when the show opened they announced that New Day was going to be in it, and Corey Graves said, more on that later. So again, small small details, attention to the things that matter to the fans to keep them engaged for the show. I liked it. Yeah, no, no, very very good observation there, especially as they're rolling into Fox here where they're looking for that more sports-oriented feel. Sure. That's the kind of stuff that, you know, makes it feel more natural. Um, but anyway, yeah, the, we, will get, we will get to that later here. Obviously, Kofi Kingston will shine brightly here uh, <laughs> in, the ba- in the back half of our conversation about the show. So... Uh, we go back, we see a video package uh, of red brand teams discussing Sunday's chamber match for the uh, WWE Men tag title. Uh, not much to make of there. Uh, announcers plug road to WrestleMania 35 on the network. And we go to the ring for the premiere of McMiz TV as SmackDown tag team champion Shane McMahon and the Miz come out to a huge pop. Uh, Greg Hamilton does the introduction. Shane and Miz hit the ring as we go to commercial. Uh, we come back to the break. And the announcers are talking about Mustafa Ali's injury. We go to, a, oh, this is where we got the video of Ali, where he mm. talked about he's taking the biggest hit of his career. So we ha- we do have it here in the run sheet. I was just uh, throwing You're off. You were just premature. That's all it was. You were premature. I, I was premature. They make medicines for that. It's all good. You're good. Dude, you know, whatever. <laughs> you, know, you, whatever. you feel better about yourself. <laughs> That's but, right. you know, tell uh, Raj we got the plug-in. Please, please tell him we got the plug-in, okay? Just <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, very unfortunate here with Ali. So we go back to the ring. The Miz and Shane welcoming us to their new show. Uh, he talks about Miz talks about how the Usos, they sent a strong message last week. He says Shane wasn't here last week because he was filming for a future episode of NCIS. Is that true? Is Shane McMahon going to be on NCIS? I did a quick Google search. As soon as he said that, they were very specific. NCIS Los Angeles. I did a huge, or quick, quick Google search. Could not find anything about that. So no way. I hope it's one of those things where like the he's like at a at a hot dog stand, <laughs> right? And then like somebody runs past him. And while he's getting the hot dog, right, and like the muggers running past him, and he slams into Shane, and all this like, ah, right, this mustard gets on him, and then like the cops come up to him, they're like, oh my god, you're Shane McMahon, and he's all covered in mustard, and he's like, that, <laughs> that way, like the Stan Lee cameo of NCIS Los Angeles. You know that Shane McMahon has been in the movies before in a very similar cameo-like fashion. Did you know this? I, I, what movie are you talking about? Okay, so if you go back in time, Rebecca Ramon Stamos and that guy from American Pie, they starred in the remake of Rollerball, all right? And oh, Rollerball, yeah. if you remember, had some kind of weird WWE crossover at the time with promotional or whatever else. Paul Heyman famously did the announcing for that movie, and Shane McMahon <laughs> was involved in some weird scene with a bunch of business people around near an airplane or in a 
parking lot or something like that in a very minor cameo role. So there you go. From Rollerball to <laughs> NCIS, the Shane McMahon on-screen <laughs> legacy continues. Yeah. Uh, Shane goes on. He introduces their guests for tonight and their challengers for Sunday, the Usos, Jimmy and Jay. Uh, Usos hit the ring, and Shane invites them to take a seat, but they want to they wanna stay standing up, so they will. Uh, the Usos end up calling Shane and Miz a couple of wannabes, saying they want to be just like the Usos. And Shane says... They're not trying to be like the Usos. They are the greatest tag team in the world. And the Usos taunt them for not riding together and training together and eating together and bathing together because they're twins. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> I laughed. I laughed. They preface. <laughs> Is that what twins do? I uh, guess. Ah, who knows? I'm not a twin. Who knows? All right. Uh, the Usos give each other a tag team test now where they answer various questions for each other. And Shane and Miz, uh, so they're like, what's my favorite color? You know, what's my favorite food? Pepperoni. Pepperoni pizza? Big pop. <laughs> you notice that pop for pepperoni yes, pizza? Yes. Uh, Shane and Miz do the same thing, but they're whispering to each other. And Miz is giving Shane the answers. They they get a pop in the crowd for, for mentoring the, the Toledo Mudhens. Mm-hmm. We're very happy that they got a shout out there. Uh, this leads to the two teams having words. The middle of the ring, the Usos get hyped up. They welcome the champs. Uh, the Uso uh, to the Uso penitentiary. They drop the mics and Shane says one thing that's real is the titles. And they raise the titles right in the air. And Shane tells the Usos he will see them on Sunday chant for the Usos starts up as the two teams face off and the Usos drop the champs of the pair of super kicks, super kicks. And they leave to their music being played here. Um, the Usos are, are very good on the microphone. This was, I don't know that this was their strongest segment, but man, they looked good. And I really liked them a lot more than Shane and Miz. Yeah, this is the thing that I took away from this segment. Shane McMahon, especially. Now, Shane and Miz were funny. They had their little moment. They went back and forth. I actually enjoyed the banter, right? The banter was fine. I I wanted to hate it, but I actually liked it. Okay. The thing about it is that credibility-wise... They just looked like amateur hour compared to the Usos. And bigger deal here, they made the championship belts look like amateur hour compared to a real tag team. And that's why it's you. I I like the the comedy stuff. It was fine. You know, we all know the Miz is great in the microphone, very natural. Shane is playing off of that very well. But it just, there's a gap there. There's a gap there. So with WWE seemingly like putting a re-emphasis on the tag team division, right? Like the revival. Now they're the ROG tag team champions. Is this where you see like, you know, some miscommunication happening here on Sunday at Elimination Chamber? Miz and Shane cost themselves the tag titles and that's what jump starts whatever the program is going into mania between these two? I think it's got to be right because uh, number one, I think we do need to move the belts off of them and onto somebody else. I think Miz and Shane make a lot of sense for mania. And again, I I just, I want to see somebody pointed this out in the chat room. Goodfellow 1422 revival versus Usos for unification of tag titles. That would be a fantastic match to build into mania raw tag team versus SmackDown tag team revival versus Usos. You could do a whole lot with that two honest, true tag teams going at it that are very top class the people people don't always get it but the usos are some of the best talent in wwe when they have great matches or when they go out there and have matches they have great matches i was really sad they didn't win the belts last year at mania and have their moment so i would love to see the revival and usos go into mania but um yeah we've got to start that that division sooner than later i think and and sunday would be a great time to go 
Yeah, no, I, I I think you're right. And it would be cool to see the Usos and the Revival leave, leading the respective divisions going into WrestleMania. I mean, there's a lot of great talent for them to work with there. So uh, we shall see. Uh, we go backstage uh, to the New Day. They're walking. They're getting excited for the gauntlet match. Uh, this leads us to a video uh, tribute for Black History Month, focusing on the 1963 March to Washington with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Video includes footage of WWE superstars, uh, at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee from earlier this year. And that leads us into the gauntlet match here, where, man, uh, Kofi Kingston here put in over an hour of work on television, uh, started off in the ring with Daniel Bryan, and, I mean, I, I don't know how we want to – I'm not going to read all, <laughs> I'm not going to read this whole thing here, but, like, we'll go through this kind of pin by pin – but, move by move, Hosman. Move by move. Uh, Hurricane Rana. Play by play. Tope con Hilo. Uh, <laughs> that's my favorite name for a move. Um, okay, but yeah, I mean, look, Kofi starts it off here by pinning the current WWE champion, Daniel Bryan, here. After, I mean, this was the longest of all his competitors, I, I've got to believe. Him and Daniel Bryan went a little more than 20 minutes, I think. I think it was closer to 30 because, I, well, it's maybe 25, who knows. But yeah, they, they had at least 20-some on the clock, and they, the announcer made a point of saying that. Listen, get it, you know, we, we, there for a moment, it could have been it could have been Big E. It could have been Xavier Woods. They kind of teased both. They brought in Kofi. I love this call here. And here's why we we know that Biggie could be in for uh, part of the thing here. Big big plans after New Day eventually breaks up. Xavier Woods has a great entertainer's mind. He's good in the ring. Don't get me wrong. He's got a great entertainer's mind. That promotion aspect. But Kofi Kingston always feels like the guy who kind of um, he's the legend in this group in this trio. But he is he is the a true WWE legend. The guy can go in the ring. He's had some great feuds over the years. But I always feel like when he's in the new day, he hasn't quite gotten the spotlight the way somebody of his stature deserves it. So I really appreciate WWE making the call here and saying, yeah, let's put Kofi Kingston in there. And God, him and Daniel Bryan, not only did they tear down the house, but Kofi Kingston looked like a million freaking bucks up there. That match he had with Daniel Bryan. Yeah, no, I mean, and no doubt about it. And, you know, when I look at why they pick Kofi, I think uh, obviously there's a lot of good reasons to pick Kofi, but also just physical size here. I mean, Mustafa Ali and Kofi Kingston both have kind of a, a similar, I would say, move set in some ways. You know, they, they have a similar build. I think there was a way to tell the story they were going to tell with Mustafa Ali in this match, um, maybe better with Kofi because of that, right? Like, you couldn't really tell the same story with Big E. Sure. Uh, that you could have by, by having Ali in that position here. And the whole time I'm watching this, and I agree with you, the whole time I'm watching it, though, at the same time I'm thinking, man, Ali could have made a new guy here. But it, it, instead of making a new guy here, what you got was a refired up guy you've already got. I mean, Kofi Kingston throughout this bout over and over again had to, had to sell, dig down, come back, and make it believable. Uh, and he did it over and over again, which I thought was just uh, was was really awesome here. Well, um, Kofi gets caught up in this thing where they use him for rumbles and for ladder matches to kind of have a to be a spot monkey. Don't, don't you know? Don't take that the wrong way. But they use him for a highlight reel, right? Oh, look, he took this big bump here. Oh, look, he landed on his hands here. But Kofi, he can go. He he has endurance, obviously, but he can go with the best. Yes, it's a WWE style, but he can go in there and he can tear it down and and he he can put out a good match. And I think that gets underrated because of the new day shenanigans they have these days. 
Yeah, and and this was uh, just before the pinfall here. This is when uh, the New Day was ejected from ringside. Now, there were some shenanigans here with Rowan uh, uh, kicking um, uh, uh, kicking Kofi but before he was able to pin uh, Daniel Bryan. But nonetheless, kick Daniel Bryan. Out comes uh, Jeff Hardy next to face Kofi Kingston here. Now, at this point, I'm kind of in shock because Kofi Kingston has just pinned the current WWE uh, champion. I, I also think back with Ali... Ali also has a pinfall victory over Daniel Bryan from about a month or so ago. So I don't know if there's a if if that was something they wanted to keep in line with the momentum they had. I don't know if they're trying to pass off whatever they had with Ali onto Kofi, but mm-hmm. I did think that it was kind of interesting that you 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 had Kofi pick up that pinfall victory there so that he can always play back to that like Ali would have had the ability to do as well. It did really feel like that he just took over what Ali was already supposed to do, even down to the stuff he did with Samoa Joe talk in a minute. But it just felt like Kofi was a Mustafa Ali fill in there for uh, about an hour tonight. Yeah, and, and yeah, and, and I wonder how bad it is with Ali. I'm going to try to find out about that because like this did feel, I don't know, it's a little weird. It's a little weird yeah. watching Kofi like, play the Ali role. But at the same time, I'm a big Kofi Kingston fan. So anyway, um, uh, Kofi Kingston is now in the ring with Jeff Hardy. Uh, Jeff Hardy and, and Kofi had a nice, uh, exchange here as well. I thought, but you could, uh, you could kind of tell, uh, that this was going to be Kofi's night. I mean, like I didn't really give Jeff Hardy a whole heck of a lot of chance here against Kofi Kingston after Kofi picked up the, the pinfall there over Daniel Bryan. Yeah, it, it was um, one of those things where it felt like, okay, he's done. He's winded. We're going to move on. We'll go on to the next person, but they, they doubled down in some pretty impressive ways here. Uh, I mean, Jeff Jeff Hardy looked pretty pathetic out there. Let's just be real, <laughs> comparatively speaking. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, he got pinned with the SOS tonight. I'm trying to keep up with all this here as I read through all the notes. Uh-huh. But, like, uh, yeah, he pinned uh, – that's what I remember being interesting about this. He pinned Jeff Hardy with the SOS here. So, I mean, you knew he was going to be going through some guys here. I'm glad they made that SOS feel very important here. Um, and, uh, you know, again, like, Kofi's got multiple finishers now at this point. It just helps him, you know, have a little diversity in this type of situation. Um, out next, though, after Jeff Hardy was Samoa Joe. Now, Samoa Joe, this was, I mean, it's like, how far are they going to go with this guy, right? You got a fresh Samoa Joe versus a, a Kofi Kingston here now. Uh, these two in it, the, they were going back and forth. At this point, we were heading to the 45-minute mark now with Kofi Kingston. I mean, where were you at in this bout? I mean, were you in in that moment, did you think they were going to, Turn the tide there. Maybe it's time to head into some new talent, or do you think they were going to keep on with Kofi, Mike? When we got the second pinfall, I, I, I figured at that point, listen, we might see him go all the way or come really close, get really, really close to the end and, and take it. This whole thing felt a little bit like what they did with Seth Rollins last year, the gauntlet that went an hour to open Raw that one night. And so part of me felt a little bit skeptical because they did the same thing with Seth Rollins. He goes through wins about what, two or three, and then he gets beat pretty quickly. Um, so, but, but yeah, I figured maybe they are going to double down and we're going to have a uh, Kofi Kingston who wins the whole damn thing out of nowhere. Right. Mm, yeah. Well, uh, Joe sinked in that Coquina clutch and it looked like this could uh, be the end for Kofi, but Kofi managed to turn that into a pinfall. Uh, Joe got eliminated, and this really did in uh, sense Samoa Joe quite a bit. Samoa Joe uh, went after Kofi on the floor, put him in the coquina clutch, wouldn't let go. Referees are going crazy all around him. Very, just very well done. You know, like this is, this is, uh, there was actually a moment here right before he put the coquina clutch on the outside where he was rolling to the outside, and like Kofi was leaning over 
the ring apron area. And on the way to roll out, Joe just kind of rolled over his head. It looked, I don't know, it, it looked... It, it looked smooth, you know, yeah. two veterans uh, pulling off something that should be uh, very simple, but they, they, they took some finesse to it here, but anyway, smooth, yeah, but kind of still like, um, what's the word here? Nuts. A lot of WWE stuff is very smooth and that crisp style, but yeah. what they did in this match, even with the Daniel Bryan stuff, especially at the beginning, but even there, what you're talking about that moment with Mojo smooth in a very physical manner that still looks intense and painful and, and very UFC or MMA esque. Yeah. Maybe gritty is the word. I mean. Yes. Is gritty a good word? Yeah. Gr yeah. Gritty kind of implies Dangerous. a little bit of undercurrent, but I, I I'll, I'll take it. Dangerous. Look dangerous. Look All like of it, pro wrestling is dangerous. It looked like he was going to smash his head with his with his big Samoa Joe belly there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Joe rolled over uh, Kofi to the outside, uh, slapped on that Coquina clutch, and I I was like, where are they going to go with this? Right? Because uh, you know we are so deep into the show now. There's like ten minutes left. You got AJ Styles and Randy Orton still to go. Uh, AJ Styles ran out and did good guy AJ Styles thing. Uh, kicked off Samoa Joe, ran him off to the outside, gave Kofi Kingston some time to regroup, and we come back from commercial, and I love that AJ, I love that Kofi is just in AJ's face. Like, for me, <laughs> this was the moment of the match for me. Just 50 minutes in, Kofi Kingston looking AJ in the face, being like, I've been here forever. I'm going to beat you now. Um, and smacking him in the face and going back and forth. I just thought the intensity here between Kofi and AJ was was great. I loved it. It, it gave Kofi a minute to catch his breath too. Like let's let's be real here. He he needed a second there for after he'd been in the ring sixty minutes. But also, yeah, I think it gave uh, a little bit more of that storytelling element to what was happening in the ring, more other than just wrestling, 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 wrestling. So I appreciated that between these two these two veterans. Uh, uh, AJ Styles did manage to slap in the calf, uh, slap in the calf crusher, calf crusher on Kofi. Man, say that one ten times fast. Uh, just after they passed the one hour mark, or Kofi passed the one hour mark in the match, and uh, Kofi tapped out. So went over an hour. I mean, I can go back in time myself, but went over an hour here and looked great, even in defeat. As uh, AJ Styles did make him tap out, but out of nowhere, uh, Randy ah. come in shortly after. Drop him with the RKO, pick up the pinfall. Randy Orton wins. You'll be the last man in the in the chamber match here on Sunday. I heard my you go. Only, yeah, well, so my only complaint. Well, my only complaint. My two my two big complaints with this match. Number one, the announced team made some comment about Kofi Kingston. They said this has been the longest. This may be the longest somebody has ever been in a match on SmackDown. But correct me if I'm wrong. They've had sixty minute Iron Man matches on SmackDown in the past, right? That was the Brock Lesnar, Kurt Angle, right? Kurt Angle match, right? That was a sixty-minute Iron Man match. So it just seemed like a small miss by the announce team because that was a that's a very famous match in SmackDown history. But my other big thing with this, in a, in a more serious fashion, is you had Kofi Kingston go all the way, all the way to the end, and you have him tap out. And I get it, right? The storytelling here is he's exhausted, he's tired. But if he had managed to score some kind of cheap victory over AJ Styles, I think it would have been so much more effective to have him lose in the same way AJ Styles lost. If Kofi Kingston could have made the whole gauntlet and then Randy Orton sneaks in behind him to steal the victory, that tells the better conclusion of the story than Randy Orton doing it over AJ Styles. Nitpicky, yes, but I think that would have been a better moment for me. 
So, I mean, going, I mean, coming out of this thing here now, I, I got to think that because I, I didn't, I mean, I hate to say I think Ali was a favorite to win the Elimination Chamber, but I definitely think he was a contention here. Kofi shined very, very brightly. I mean, could we, could, is it silly to think like on the road to WrestleMania, we could maybe get a Kofi Kingston world title run? I think we're not going to get that right now. It's like whenever Jerry Lawler had that weird feud with The Miz a number of years ago when people speculated maybe this would be his moment. We're, we're too far removed. Um, they already have their plans in place for Mania. If this had happened, let's say in May, maybe we would have a Kofi, a summer of Kofi, right? But not now. Nah, I don't think they're going to go this way. I don't think they're ready to do it with Mustafa Ali yet. I think they're still a bridge too far. They're just setting us up for some kind of multi-man match at mania i think that's what we're kind of being prepared for here all right so uh this is a good transition here before we get into our one news topic we're going to talk at uh, the end of the the show here about because i don't want to talk any news i gotta talk about it tomorrow on the winkly uh i'd like to get some previews uh in here and predictions for the elimination chamber so you think this is leading into some kind of multi-man match at wrestlemania how does this how does the the wwe championship match play out who wins how how does this roll out to mania I still think we're going to walk away with Daniel Bryan. I, I think we're still too early in the second phase of Daniel Bryan's championship run as the new Daniel Bryan with the belt and everything else. But I would not be surprised to see him lose it at either next month's pay-per-view for a quick little title change and keep that feud going, maybe to Samoa Joe in a triple threat match. Um, or maybe they save the big moment and somebody finally conquers him at Mania. Maybe what happens is Daniel Bryan wins on Sunday, we end up with a triple threat match at Fastlane because that's a pretty quick turnaround from Elimination Chamber to Fastlane. Samoa Joe walks out. There's chaos surrounding the WWE Championship. Mustafa Ali gets stuck in there. A babyface has got to win at Mania, right? Daniel Bryan gets conquered on the granddaddy of them all. That's got to be what happens. Um, I don't know. Maybe he just holds the belt forever. Uh, what I seriously—it's <laughs> an eco belt. So at some point, that belt will biodegrade. Okay, let's just be real. I do think that the I have a a low key uh, suspicion. Um, I don't know, just a just a hunch, you know. As we kind of look towards like uh, maybe a possible uh, end of the brand extension. I know they're doing the superstar shakeup. I don't really know what that means, but if you were going to create one top title. And throw another one in the garbage. I could see Vince doing that to, to Daniels. I don't know. Food for thought. Uh, uh, but as far as this match goes, look, Orton, if if uh, they're going to keep up with him and Ali, I could see that being a nice little side program here in Domania if Ali can uh, get healed up and cleared. I think him and Orton would be uh, fine, so that throws them out of it. I don't see Jeff Hardy taking the title. Um, AJ, Samoa Joe, and Kofi Kingston would be the only other three that would be contenders there. Um, I just don't know who you pair Daniel Bryan with at WrestleMania. If he rolls through all these guys, I don't know. I mean, who, who's the, who's the logical opponent beyond these guys? You've been big on Mustafa Ali. So maybe I'm getting on that bandwagon because you've talked about him so much. <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, I don't know what's going to go on with Shane and Miz. I mean, do they bring Miz back into the equation here? Is he the one who's like, you're dumb. Shut up. You know, I've figured out I've been a McMahon. I'm a McMahon now. You're, you're stupid. That would be an interesting dynamic, wouldn't it? The Miz as a babyface finally coming after Daniel Bryan as a heel. That would be fun. I don't know. I've never been a big fan of this idea that they're going to uni reunify the titles because we're going to 
the Universal Champion has felt so absentee for so long. I was I was watching the match, the Iron Man match tonight with Daniel Bryan, and thinking, man, it's great. It's great to have a champion on the show. And I you just I think you've lost sight. We've all lost sight of that with Brock Lesnar being around for so long. So for that reason alone, I hope they don't unify the titles. But I don't know where you go with, with Daniel Bryan post. I think the AJ Styles stuff has got to be done. I like Samoa Joe being in the mix, but it can't be heel on heel. So who else do you put in there? Also, uh, PW Insider, I remember earlier today, they reported Luke Harper was backstage at, at SmackDown tonight. Luke, no Luke Harper tonight. No Luke Harper. Daniel. That could be a fun, a fun little feud, right? Daniel Bryan, Luke Harper. Luke Harper can go in the ring. Ooh, ooh, that is fun. Who knows? That's cool. Um, we talked about the women's tag uh, chamber match. Uh, let's talk SmackDown Tag Team Championship. Miz and Shane Usos. We talked about that a little bit already. Uh, Buddy Murphy versus Tazawa, Akira Tazawa for the Cruiserweight Championship. Do you have any opinions either way? I, I feel a little lost in the two of you. I've been just, I don't know, brain dead wrestling wise. I feel a little lost in two of five land. I mean, I've been, I've been uh, doing SmackDown on, um, you know, some weeks. So two of five, what? Two of five win, two of five, not live for me. Hmm. Uh, I, I mean, Buddy Murphy's been a no, good buddy, yeah. yeah, Buddy, Buddy Murphy, right? Buddy Murphy. Uh, uh, Finn Balor versus Lashley and Leo Rush. Icy title, handicap match. If Finn Balor pins either Lashley or Leo, he wins. Uh, he wins the title. You think he takes the belt here? Yeah, he's got to pin Leo, right? He's got to pin Leo. I wonder if Leo pins him. Hmm. You know, maybe he's been. Maybe Finn needs a big buddy that could could fight Bobby. But I really like Leo Rush and Finn Balor. I, I would like to see more of those two. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Ruby Riot, like a, a layup here for Ronda, right? Ronda, 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 Ronda. What if Charlotte costs her the match, though? I, I would, I think it's going to go the other way. I think Charlotte's going to help ensure that Ronda wins so she can keep the match at Mania. That's what I predict. Uh, Strowman, Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. <laughs> Who cares? Uh, oh, come Braun. on. There, I hope, well, Braun Strowman's going to win. Corbin's going to make him look good. Yeah, I just, I'm so over that. I just, yeah, whatever. I'm so over this. Well, look, they're big guys. Let's pair them together and, you know, whatever. Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman. All right. I, yeah, Braun Strowman definitely for the win. But okay. I'm, I'm, I'm a Corbin fan. I think in the long run, I think many more people will be as well. We had this discussion at lunch today, and uh, you know, I, I think that um, I'm going to. That's by the way, the Winkley now is called Wrestling Inc. at lunch. So up at lunch, anyway. The big, big thing, I, I, you know, Baron Corbin could be something. I don't like the way they booked him on the main roster, and that's it. That's my big issue with him. Not him as an. People hate him. I know that, but I think he could be something. Not what he is right now. Uh, all right. Well, let's real quickly touch on to, to wrap up the show here today. I'll get your take. I'm not going to try to dig too deep into it because I got to talk to Labar tomorrow. But <laughs> it was reported today. PW Insider said Batista met with WWE officials on Thursday. Chris Jericho said he met with Batista today. He posted that on Instagram. So Batista's talking to people. Uh, we talked about it a bit on the Winkly earlier. Do either of these updates sway the wins for you one way or another, Michael Weissman, as to where Batista may go? Man, it's interesting. It is interesting. It's an interesting time to be a pro wrestling fan. Batista talking to the enemy. Um, I, I think it's a little bit of posturing on Matisse's part. So he gets a better deal with WWE, but you said this earlier, Chris Jericho being over there could sway it. I, I would be surprised if Batista ends up over there. Stranger things have happened. I still think we're gunning for Batista and triple H. Um, if triple H is ready to go by mania. So, all right. Uh, well that brings us to the end of the show guys. Thank you all very much for tuning in tonight 
to the latest uh, SmackDown rundown, Smack Wink podcast. I call it the rundown. You know, I like rundown. It's a fun <laughs> there you thing. Go. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow. Wink at night. Wink at night. Wink at night. I'll be back tomorrow with the Winkly. It'll be released tomorrow afternoon. Uh, me and Justin Labar the next two days. I'll have Davey Boy Smith Jr. tomorrow. Billy Gunn on Thursday. Check them all out. Uh, again, if you're in Houston, St. Arnold's Brewery, pre-WWE Elimination Chamber meetup. Hang out with our good friends Paul and Kelsey from the Two-Face Podcast right here from Wrestling Inc. Audio. They're going to be doing a live podcast starting at 3 o'clock. The doors are at 2.30. Uh, there'll be games, prizes. You can drink beer and talk about wrestling. I mean, it's really, I mean, that's the whole thing. That's what it's all about, you know. It's, it's games, prizes, and beer, man. It's like a fun afternoon at Chuck E. Cheese's. There you go. Yeah. Uh, Michael, where can people go online to find you and, and support you? you? You can support me if you want to send money directly to my household. Me and my wife and my cats and my dog would appreciate that. But uh, more importantly, if you want to keep up with my work, which I'm sure is what y'all care about, follow me on Twitter. I am at the Real Wiseman. I like to post lots of memes and gifts and all that fun stuff. But more importantly, I post links to my articles here at Wrestling Inc. There you go. Uh, yes, and I'm at Wink Rebel over on Twitter. Uh, Tuesday through Thursday, Wrestling Inc. Audio, The Winkly. Check it out, hashtag Winkly. Uh, thank you all very much for tuning in tonight. And remember, if you winked, you didn't miss it. <laughs>